0: You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. Today we are going to be in Colossians chapter 3. This is the third week of our study in Colossians chapter 3 as we're simply making the statement as a church, we need a change. Isn't that true? In the midst of all that we've been walking through as a culture, in the midst of all that's been going on around us in the world, we have seen so clearly we need a change. Is at work in the midst of all of this to lead us to a change that is so necessary in our own hearts. And so it is my prayer that as we walk through the scripture here Today, we would be encouraged, we would be edified, we would be built up in the strength of our God, but at the same time, we would be challenged, and we would be open, and we would be aware through the Spirit of God of what needs to change in our lives. So we turn to Colossians 3, and we read from the Scripture, verse 12 through 14. This will be our text for today. We were just standing, so I'll just invite you to stay seated here as I read this text. Let this fall on fertile hearts. Father God, we lift this up to you. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another... Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Would you pray with me yet one more time? Father God, as we turn our attention to your word, it is my prayer in this moment, this, this divine moment that you have set apart for us to encounter you through your living and active word. I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts. We need to hear from you. We need a change, Lord God. And so I pray that you would show us what needs to change, that you would show us the power to change, that that you would equip us to be your people standing out in the midst of this broken world. Lord God, we look to you and we pray that you would have your way among us today as we fix our attention on your word. Speak now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So as many of you are aware, we are in the midst of a 21-day prayer focus. And I just want to say this last week has been so incredibly encouraging in my life. As we have gathered to pray each morning of this week here at the church at 6 a.m., we had no idea if anybody would show up. We had no idea what this would be like, but God has moved in tremendous power through the people of Shandon, and we have had a, a great group of people that have gathered each morning praying here collectively together, seeking the Lord, asking God to move. I know many of you have been joining us at home as we were walking through this time together, and I would just encourage you if you haven't been able to join us come join us one morning this week you will be so grateful that you did it is incredibly moving and incredibly powerful to see the people of God crying out to the Lord together and asking God to do what only he can do and the Lord has been hearing our prayers and the Lord is moving and so I want to encourage you stay the course continue to pray Continue to grab that devotion each week as it comes in and read that devotion each morning and pray together how we need to pray, how we need to have our eyes turning to Jesus even now. We're reminded of that today in this scripture that is our focus. Colossians chapter 3, these challenging, provoking, and yet beautiful words That show us what it means to live the life of a Jesus follower. Last week was a very challenging text. As we saw very clearly what the word of God says about about sin and about the importance to, to wage war against sin through the power of the cross. We're reminded of God's grace and God's mercy in this call to put to death that which is earthly in us and to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And today we see that the tone changes a little bit. As we come to verse 12, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about not the things that need to be taken off, not the things that we're fighting against in our lives, but the things that should be put on. He talks about these spiritual Clothes, this, this covering of God that has been made available to us through what Jesus Christ has done. I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing for this message. It's really like the Apostle Paul is saying to the church there, there is a uniform, there is an outfit, there is clothing. That the Jesus follower needs to be aware of and and intentionally seeking and and intentionally striving towards. These are characteristics and qualities that that come from Jesus Christ himself. They are to be put on in the life of a Jesus follower. The way a a football player gearing up for today's playoff games is going to put on shoulder pads and and a uniform and a helmet and a mouthpiece to, to get ready to go into action, to be in the game. The way a a pilot is going to put on his flight suit to to take to the air. The way a soldier puts on his battle fatigues to be ready to enter into battle. There is a a clothing, spiritual clothes that we are called to put on, the, the uniform of a Jesus follower. Before we look at these specific qualities or characteristics of this spiritual clothing. Let's first go back to verse 12 and let's just see what, what the Apostle Paul says here about how it's even possible for someone to wear these spiritual clothes. Look at verse 12, the very beginning there. It says, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let's stop there. For this is not just an introduction that is setting up The spiritual clothing of a Jesus follower. No, this is showing us that the spiritual clothing of a Jesus follower is a gift from God. And it has been given to us not because of anything that we have done, not because we deserve it or have somehow earned this clothing. No, this clothing is all about the grace of God. Followers of Jesus are called chosen ones. Think about this term. What an incredible thought that that, that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, you have been called out by God. He sees you. He knows your story. He has invited you to be called one of his very own children, a, a chosen one of God, removed from darkness, Brought into his marvelous light. The chosen ones of God, they are called holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. Again, the scripture is showing us clearly that this is all about what Christ has done. This is all about the gift that God has given us that we do not deserve in the least. For followers of Jesus are sinners saved by grace. And in that gift of salvation, followers of Jesus are set apart through the righteousness of Christ. That which has been imputed to us or given to us through Christ himself. That we might through the power of the gospel and through the power of his spirit be set apart as the very light of the gospel to a world wandering in darkness. This is the gift that Jesus Christ provides to be called God's chosen, to be called holy and beloved. And it is out of this gift that we are then invited to put on these qualities of Jesus Christ himself. The uniform of the Jesus follower. It happens, it is put on, as we, just saying, as we turn our eyes upon Jesus. That's what we looked at two weeks ago, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are the earth. As we set our mind on Christ, he gives us this spiritual clothing. So what are the articles of clothing, if you will? Look at Colossians 3:12 again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's very intentional here that the apostle Paul starts this list of qualities or characteristics with compassionate hearts. This is what the, the, the follower of Jesus is to feel deeply here. You see, anytime the scripture talks about the heart, the scripture is talking about the very core of who we are, our inner being. The, the heart is the center of who we are as a person. And the way this can be translated is very, Incredible to me, another way this could be translated from the original language, what actually appeared in some of the earlier translations of the Bible talking about compassionate hearts was the term bowels of mercy something that is felt deep in our gut, deep in our core, the, the very inner workings of who we are, we feel deeply compassion and mercy for those who are in need. A quality that we see in Jesus Christ himself. To see the need of others and to, to feel so deeply about the, the need that I must be moved to action, something I feel in my gut, in my heart, in my bowels. Now, 2020 was certainly a crazy and chaotic year for us all in some form or fashion, but in the midst of all of the the craziness and all the chaos that was 2020, our family, in a very personal way, walked through a very, very chaotic and even scary situation. Near the end of the summer, my brother, who's two years younger than me, was on a mountain climbing excursion in the state of Washington and fell. And we almost lost him. He fell 60 feet. He broke his neck and he tore several muscles in his chest and around his upper body. He had a severe concussion. In the grace of God, as he broke his neck, he was not paralyzed still had function of his extremities, but it was a very close call, one of those life and death scenarios. And in the grace of God, he has recovered greatly. He's he's back to functioning and and working and, and doing the things that he wants to do. He's still got a little bit of a road ahead of him in his recovery and physical therapy, but he really is doing great. It's It's miraculous. But when I got the phone call, that my brother had fallen. We all knew he was on this climbing trip. We all pray for him as he goes. This is something he's done pretty much every year for, for many years. In fact, in college and, and shortly after uh, Megan and I were married, I climbed with him a good bit. We had kids and that was the end of my climbing days, I was told. I appreciated that. But I knew how serious this was because I had been with him and some of those climbing excursions. And when I got the news that he had fallen, he was alive, he was going to be okay, but he had fallen. I just felt it in my gut. Just the angst. Just wanting to see him and just wanting to know that he really was okay and wanting to do anything I could to get to him and, and to help in any way. I mean, just felt it. I mean, my gut just turned. Just turned. Knowing that my brother had a need, this is the language that the scripture uses here. This is describing those who are following Jesus and look out and see in others the need that is so evident. It's something that is felt deep in the bowels, something that is felt in the heart, this thing called compassion that moves us to action, this, this very description of Jesus himself. The Gospels talk about Jesus this way. One example is Matthew 9, verse 36, that says this. When he saw the crowds, what does it say? He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is who Jesus is. That is how Jesus feels for, for you and for me in our need. That, that is what the, the life of a Jesus follower is to feel as we see others in need. Feel deeply. A desire to do something about the need that we see, and that leads us to these other characteristics listed here in verse 12, twelve. Excuse me, and following, what does the scripture say that it talks about kindness? We are to put on compassionate hearts and kindness. Now, how kindness is needed today, right? I love this simple definition of kindness, the friendly and helpful spirit that seeks to meet the needs of others. The friendly and helpful spirit that seeks to meet the needs of others. What a simple description. What a game-changing idea that we would be friendly and helpful seeking to meet the needs of others. That is what the the Jesus followers called to put on, kindness, kindness. And then we see humility. Oh, how humility is needed in the church today. I love this definition of humility, recognizing one's own insufficiency while resting in the all-powerful sufficiency of Christ acknowledging my own need and resting in the all-powerful sufficiency of christ not living like i have it all figured out not living like i've got all the answers and you're all the fool no living as if i recognize the insufficiency in my own life and know that the all-powerful sufficiency of christ is my only hope that's humility Pastor Timothy Keller writes about humility this way. He says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. True gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. We often think about humility as if we can just, we can just think less about ourselves and then we can kind of start to beat ourselves up internally and, and start to, to act like we can't really do it. No, that's not humility. That's not humility. That's just being consumed with ourselves. No, true humility is not thinking of ourselves, thinking of ourselves less because we are thinking of others. That's true gospel humility. And what do we see next? What are we called to put on? We see meekness. What is meekness? This is a word that is often misunderstood. It's a word that doesn't sound real appealing. But do you know the definition of meekness is strength that is restrained or strength that is under control? That's meekness. I love the example that is often used when talking about meekness, the example of a wild stallion. A wild stallion that is dangerous, a wild stallion that is reckless, but a wild stallion that is then broken so that it can be ridden. And the strength of that stallion is not lost, but the strength has been harnessed and focused so that that strength can be useful and beneficial to another. The stallion goes from strong and reckless to strong and useful. That's meekness. Strength that has been harnessed in self-control. Strength that is focused for the good of another. Another. And then we see the call to put on patience. Don't we love the word patience after 2020? None of us, none of us want to hear about patience anymore, do we? We've been waiting long enough. When are things going to change? But oh, how needed patience truly is. And I love the way patience is translated to mean Long temper. Long temper. Now, we all know what it means to be around someone who has a short temper, right? Someone who has a short fuse. They are explosive. They are volatile. They are reactionary. But patience is calm and steady in the face of opposition. Think about these qualities, think about these characteristics. Every single one of these characteristics is seen in Jesus Christ. They are, they are a gift to the Jesus follower. That the Jesus follower might be a reflection of what we have received in Christ. That as our minds are, are fixed on the things that are above. And as we are empowered by the spirit and not by the flesh. That our life might be a reflection of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul describes in verse 13. Look at what it says here in Colossians 3, 13. Put this on. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now this raises the stakes altogether, does it not? This call to forgiveness, And notice what the scripture does not say just because I think sometimes there might be some confusion uh, among people in the church. The scripture does not say, if you have a complaint against one another, make sure you post it as quickly as possible. That's not in the scripture. Uh, I think there might be some confusion, but it's not there. No, no, no. If you have a complaint against one another, the Bible says, you are called to forgive. And as the scripture talks about forgiveness, isn't it brilliant, the statement that is made? Because as the scripture talks about forgiveness, the call to forgiveness is laid out in light of what we have been forgiven in Christ, you are to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so also you must forgive. Now one of my favorite illustrations of this verse took place several years ago actually many years ago when I was at the very beginning of pastoral ministry when I was meeting with a man that had come to faith in Christ at our church, he was a brand new follower of Jesus and his life had changed dramatically. He had moved from darkness to light and he was very excited about what God was doing in his life and this, this new hope and this new joy that, that he had experienced in Christ. But at the same time we were meeting because he was incredibly frustrated that his wife had not yet trusted her life to Christ. And in fact, his wife was being very hostile toward him. She was mocking his faith. She was belittling his faith. She was throwing all of his past in his face. She was mocking him for his weaknesses. And he was discouraged. And he was frustrated. She was making it very tough at home. And so we were talking through that and praying through that. And he, he, he looked at me and he said, Look, I, I'm trying, pastor, I'm trying to forgive her. But every time I forgive her, she just does something else that's hurtful and painful. I mean, how much do I have to forgive her? And in that moment, it was like the Spirit of God just put the words in my mouth. And I just looked at him and I said, Well, how much has Jesus forgiven you? I'll never forget this. He just hung his head and he said, well, shoot. But he was a brand new believer and he did not use the word shoot, which made this very memorable in the pastor's office. The language got real saucy and I'm like, this is unbelievable. This will be a sermon example someday. But he realized in that moment that he had been called to forgive through the lens Of what had been forgiven in his life through the gift of Jesus Christ. Certainly we can all agree forgiveness is not easy. But forgiveness is powerful. And forgiveness is beautiful. And forgiveness stands out in a culture that loves to hold grudges. That loves to be divisive. That loves to look at others and say you're the problem. Forgiveness stands out. It's one of the most powerful testimonies we can provide to a watching world because as we forgive, we are demonstrating what Christ has done for us. I love this quote from Pastor Andy Stanley in a great book he wrote about the heart. He says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. You see, the Apostle Paul, as he talks about forgiveness, he takes us right back to the cross and he says, put on forgiveness, bear with one another, forgiving as Christ has forgiven you. This is game changing. And this stands out in a very dark and broken world. We come now to verse fourteen. This is where we'll end for today. We'll pick it up next week in verse fifteen, but it says here Colossians three fourteen And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, the scripture talks a lot about love. All throughout the scripture, you're going to see the call for the people of God to be a people who demonstrate the love of God. And it cannot be overstated how important it is for a Jesus follower to be known for love, specifically for such a time as this. You see, Jesus himself calls his disciples in John 13 to be known for their love. He says, the way the world will know you are my disciples is if you love one another, that will be the defining mark. And then the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, a a portion of scripture that many of you I know are familiar with as, as love is described in detail, says, if you have all these things and do all these things and know all these things and you do not have love, you have nothing. For isn't it true, isn't it true that you can have the right beliefs But if you do not have love, no one cares what you believe. And isn't it true that you can do a lot of right things, but if you don't have love, people are really not interested in what you are doing. And they're certainly not interested in following what you are doing. And so the scripture says to the Jesus follower, above all, Put on love because it binds all of these together in perfect harmony. I'll close simply with this statement and this idea. I believe that God has given his church an incredible opportunity for such a time as this. You see, as the world gets darker, the light of the gospel shines brighter. And as the world grows in hostility and division, the people of God standing united in the love of Jesus Christ stands out more than ever. For what the watching world needs is to see the love of God. And to see it truly on display among the people of God. For what an opportunity God has given us. To be a people of hope, to put on the qualities of Christ, the characteristics of Christ, and to live in such a way in these spiritual clothes that a watching, hurting, desperate, divided, dark world looks at the people of God and says, there is something different there. So what do you need to put on? Is there some clothing that might be missing from your life? Is there some clothing that has been ignored in a very difficult season? What is it that needs to be put on in you if you say you are a follower of Jesus? Would you have the courage and the faith to ask the Lord to show you what is it? that needs to be put on so that my life can be a picture of God's love to a hurting and broken world. And if you're joining us today online or here in the room and you've never experienced the hope that we're talking about that has been offered to us through Jesus Christ, we, we want you to know very clearly, we believe that God is pursuing you with his love even now. And there is an open invitation from Jesus Christ to you to invite him into your life that he might provide for you the gift of salvation that provides us true hope. The gift of salvation that forgives our sin and invites us to be made new. If you know you need a change, perhaps today is the day that you turn to Jesus. With that in mind, let me pray for us as we prepare to close our time together here today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your love, grateful for your grace, grateful for what you have laid before us in your word to show us your love and your grace. Pray, Lord God, that we, your church, would be a people who are known for these characteristics and qualities that that are granted to us through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that we would put on these spiritual clothes, that we might stand out as a light in the darkness, that we might be a voice crying out into the wilderness, that there is hope And there is peace and his name is Jesus. Oh Lord, please draw us to one another in love as you seek to send us out into the world to demonstrate that which we have received. Lord, where we are lacking, give us eyes to see. Where change is needed, give us hearts that are receptive. Oh, I pray that we would put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, that we would be a people known for forgiveness as we seek to point to the beautiful gift of forgiveness that we have received through Jesus Christ. Lord, if there are any among us today who have yet to receive that gift, that gift of Christ, offering his life at the cross for the forgiveness of sin, resurrecting from the grave, inviting us into new life in grace and mercy and hope. I pray, Lord God, if there are any who have yet to receive that gift that today would be the day and they would say, Jesus, I am ready to follow you. I need a change. I am ready for new life in Christ. I I pray that you would forgive my sin. I, I pray that you would grant me this gift of your grace. I want to follow you. Please give me this gift of salvation. And oh Lord, how we praise you that you are the God who saves, that you have done for us what we could never do. I pray that we as your people would live in light of that which we have received. I pray this week specifically that we would be a people that when we speak, we speak hope. And when we post, we post love and grace. And when we interact with others, we interact as a people of peace. And when we are wronged this week, I pray that we would be a people who are quick to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Lord God, use us to shine brightly in this dark and desperate world. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.